0: It's Saturday night, not Friday night, and it's uh, not a live show. It's a pre-recorded little interlude by yours truly. But nonetheless, it's this week's edition and this week's episode of the Logic and Larry podcast. I'm your host, Larry Crane. Everything I say on the show is my sole opinion as a private citizen. It does not in any way reflect the opinion of any other entity, any other person. I don't speak in any capacity other than that of a private citizen expressing private views to my audience, which is you. I'm happy to be with you on Saturday night this week, and I know, look, I know everybody likes to hear the podcasts live. It's better live. There's more interaction. And people can comment back and forth, and it's a a different energy, and the calls are coming in. And and I I get that. I I respect that. I appreciate that. But once in a while, we got to do a pre-recorded version. I do apologize that this is coming out late Saturday night now. This was supposed to be coming out Friday night at its usual scheduled time, and it didn't. That's my mistake. It's my bad. But I had a great holiday, right? Hopefully many of you had a great holiday, and that holiday just threw me off a little bit. Had a lot of great food, had turkey, had shrimp, had cheese, pepperoni, super saut, had homemade provolone and pepperoni and salami bread, quasi stromboli, some may say, fresh from my father. Had baked ziti, fresh from myself with, uh, of course, the homemade sauce because we don't play around. Really, really good little cheesecakes, and we've been eating straight from Wednesday night when we're making sausage parm out of the, the sausage for the sauce, all the way up through right now when I just had another fresh slice of that uh, provolone pepperoni bread before I got on to record this episode. So it's, it was a good, good holiday. So you know that that's what that is what it is. Now we're. We're still dealing with COVID. And again, to all the folks who said that uh, COVID was going to stop once the election was over because it was all some political ploy, I think the uh, verdict is in on that one. Nonetheless, Trump still uh, is pretty much ignoring it. Biden's trying to tackle it. We'll see what happens. The vaccines are moving forward. I'm sick of COVID. You know my opinion. We couldn't all get together on the holidays because of it still can't have any fans in any sports games you know it's just uh it's a pain I can't wait for it to be over I can't wait to get back to some semblance some semblance of normalcy I really 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 can't I'm sure most of you are the same the college basketball season has started Rutgers is 2-0 as they should be based on who they've been playing and we can't be at any games this year so that kind of takes a good portion of the fun out of it. it really does and that's a shame. That's a shame. So tonight, look, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on. And I'm going to, you know, want this little vocal interlude just to kind of connect with you and, and, and say hello. We should be back live next week. I don't see why we wouldn't be back live next week. Um, but I, what I have tonight is, and I hope everybody, you know, kicks it and really listens to the whole interview. Because I have an interview with uh, my boy Ian. And um, he works for the United States Postal Service. And so, look, a lot of, first of all, just general history. You know about on this show, we're about knowledge on the show. We're about just spreading the knowledge, especially knowledge between individuals who are just out there every day putting in work, doing their thing, being contributing members of society, contributing members of their community but then who also wanna participate in our circle and our dialogue, and they are a part of our dialogue, right, our listeners, our contributors, everybody's a part of this dialogue. And so to have somebody with expertise in a vital institution, which we all rely on, we all hear about all the time, we all take for granted, I'd say, to have somebody give insight into that, I mean, we go into the history of the post office, we go into reasons why it's struggling now, reasons why, you know, the policies being enacted help or hurt it. Um, And we also delve, obviously, into the implications on the election this year. There's so much going on regarding the mail-in ballots and whether we could trust the post office and, you know, um, whether mail-in balloting was unreliable or, you know, there was rife with fraud, yada, 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 yada. You know my opinion on that. It simply wasn't right with fraud. I mean it's it's now been essentially proven. Now they've done several recounts in several jurisdictions of several states. There's been lawsuits that have gone up to circuit federal courts. They've all been tossed, I think except for one that allowed maybe some kind of recount in one state. It didn't change anything. We know it was a you know, it went smoothly. But Ian is gonna tell us exactly why it went smoothly. Why certain aspects of it may not have, why they were fearful that it might not have, but nonetheless, it still did. Um, And he really breaks it down, and it was a a great substantive conversation. So that's on this episode, and I've uh, put that together, and Ian was kind enough to, to contribute and to sit down with me for a considerable amount of time to bring that to you. So that's what we got up on the bulk of this show. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and look, I'm happy to... I love hearing from people, too, because I've been hearing from listeners. Um, and, and it's it's really, really a great thing to be hearing from listeners. Um, especially with your suggestions and with, you know, ways that you think we can improve the show. And, and can basically... Maybe the most cool thing that I hear from people is... You know ways that we can expand what we're doing as far as dialogue and a longtime listener Ron Ron from the southern part of Jersey I won't tell you where he's from unless he wants to delve that information himself um, but Ron reached out to me and and one of the things he suggested was that I get a group together on Facebook And that that group be, you know, just a Facebook group, not so much for me to necessarily provide content, although I will from time to time, but just a a group that's a private and closed group for the listeners of the Logic and Larry podcast to just converse back and forth about, you know, various things. They can share information that they have. They can... Uh, trade back and forth, whatever, uh, business tips or knowledge or whatever, because that is the community we're trying to build. And we build it every week on the live podcast. We build it on, on the Facebook page as best we can. And we, you know, we build it with each other when we call, when we comment, when we have guests come on and be interviewed, um, you know, and we do that. So I thought it was a great idea by Ron, and, and I'm gonna I'm going to go ahead and do that. So, and just so you know, look, in the coming months, and the coming year, say, I have things on my plate right now, creatively, that I'm, I'm finishing. Once those things are finished, there's really one final thing I'm working on, which is the, the music album. Once that's finished, I'm going to spend a lot more time kind of cultivating this show. And I do it in conjunction with D at D-Rock Productions, with the Partisan Podcast, and I, there's a cross-promotion going on, um... My other boy, Starsky, uh, he's starting a podcast out of Newark, which he's a eclectic and uh, artistic individual and a businessman full of just wisdom and and just, you know, tons of people, a wealth of knowledge, a, an extremely um, well-established social circle. So he's starting a podcast and hopefully get some cross-promotion with him, too. But anyway i'm going to probably shift the medium from live on facebook to live on a better uh medium and we're gonna do other things more video episodes although we'll still mostly stick to audio uh, because i like the vibe of that i like the way that we go about it with the audio but we got things in on the horizon things in the works so uh with ron's suggestion just in general with ian ian called me and said you know i really have a lot to say about the usps would you be interested i said yeah i'd be interested i mean i'm sure the listeners would be interested as well so you know we're all building i appreciate the suggestions i love every bit of it um and and it's a great thing we're doing and so it's just it's great to be able to put out content every week and and be hopefully positively contributing and, and allowing listeners to interact and also positively contribute to you know the dialogue it's just it's a great thing now, what's not a great thing... <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? You already know what I'm going to say. Gonna... Donnie, uh, this week, <laughs> he's he's tweeting regularly, too. He's tweeting randomly, right? So the GSA ascertained that Biden's going to win the election. Now, I, look, I found a suspect that CNN broke the news that the GSA had ascertained Biden the winner and was going to begin the transition process. And then... Shortly, I'm talking like minutes later, Trump tweets out that he gave the GSA the okay, but he's still fighting. And honestly, I have to wonder, and given the way it came out, right, it came out that CNN broke that the GSA had written a letter that she was ascertaining the election for Biden. Within a couple seconds or minutes, Trump tweets it. Now, Trump is kind of you know flies off the handle and is unpredictable and is off the cuff and all those things we know that right but at the same time even him you would think that if he was going to give the okay to the GSA that he and his staff at the White House or at least Republicans on his side you would think that they would try to get ahead of it better than he did right it wouldn't be CNN breaking it and then him tweeting right after if he had given the okay, you would think, you would think that they would have made an announcement earlier in the day to try to get ahead of it and save face. So I don't think, I don't have any inside knowledge. This is just the, the, just to, you know, just making deductions. That's what, that's all. I, I think, I think that she just went ahead and did it. And Trump tried to save face after the fact by acting like he gave the okay. I don't think he did. Cause then he's tweeting, just randomly, RIGGED, in capital letters, like it'll be the middle of the day, like a, a Wednesday, everybody's getting ready for Thanksgiving, people are worried about masks, people are living, all of a sudden, RIGGED, RIGGED ELECTION, like, he's he's a, he's a joke of a human being, right, not just a joke of president, he never was a real president, he was a joke, shouldn't have never been there, he's a joke, he was there, he was lawfully elected, so it is what it is, I respected the office, alright, you know, I, I respected the president of the United States, I still do, he's still the president, right, So, you know, I'm not advocating for anything. just saying, you know, but at the end of the day, the guy's a joke, right? He's a joke. He's a joke. Here, he's a joke. So he's tweeting rigged election. His latest thing was Biden won't be able to enter the White House. Won't be able to enter the White House unless he can prove how he got 80 million votes. I got news for Donnie. Donnie, he's going to be inaugurated on January 20th. You don't get to say whether he enters or not. They will drag you out because you're the trespasser upon the twentieth. Because he's the president of the United States and you're not. You're just an average Joe citizen. So you're sitting there unlawfully. You're gonna get dragged out. Okay? Like, is there is there has there ever been a bigger joke as a leader of men? I mean, who was was Nero this bad? Was he this bad? Was Nero fiddling? Was he a good fiddler at least? Because if he's a good fiddler, he's probably better than Trump. That's all you need. Rome could burn, as long as he's fiddling properly, he's one up on Trump, right? The guy can't do anything gracefully or, or right. He can't make himself look good no matter how hard he tries. He's always looking like a clown. He can't even lose somewhat gracefully. It's, it's a joke. So now he's gonna make himself look even more ridiculous by fighting tooth and nail to the bitter end when he's going to be removed. He's not going to be the president of the United States. I, I mean, it's over. But he's, he's making an ass of himself, and he, in, in, in his wake, he's crapping on America, for lack of a better term, or for me refraining from using a better term. He's crapping all over the United States, our, our institutions, our traditions. Now nonetheless, our institutions, I mean, you, this is Thanksgiving weekend, right? This is Thanksgiving weekend, and, and quite honestly, If there's one thing we should really be thankful for, besides our health, although some of us are suffering and our family members have suffered due to lack of health due to this pandemic, if there's one thing as Americans we should truly, truly be thankful for, it's that we have these institutions. And they've shown now, the election has shown how smoothly it went, the turnout that we had, the fact that the majority prevailed in making a a decision for who should lead us. Our institutions, despite, despite somebody like Trump trying his absolute best and despite his cronies in Congress and his cronies throughout the country and his administration who have willfully gone along with him and trying to desecrate our institutions and trying to desecrate and diminish our democracy, despite that, our institutions held firm and it's easy, it's so easy, to take that for granted as Americans. And that's why I caution some people, the people who say, you know, America's always been bad, and I want socialism, and, you know, the system is, is founded upon um, regrettable principles, and it's founded upon evil, and, and, and this and that, and we should have no allegiance to it, and, and we should advocate for a whole new system. Look, There's no doubt that a lot of America's history is, for lack of a better term, you know, pretty deplorable, right? And and that a lot of our history is should be frowned upon by those of us who are enlightened in the 21st century and that we, we need to continue to make strides to make it a more perfect union because of those flaws and because of that troubled past. However, however, There's a lot to admire about America. And there's a lot to admire and embrace about America's past in addition to the things that we have to negatively reflect upon, right? Throughout human history, there have been so many societies that have been corrupted by dictators and have fallen victim to the forces of tyranny and the forces of injustice and evil, not just dealt with those forces, but have fallen completely victim, have succumbed to them, right? And when that happens, the people living in that society see a huge diminishment of their own freedom, and their own quality of life, and their own... You know, freedom is such a a, a deep and profound word, because it goes beyond just the freedom of movement, it's the freedom of thought. It's the freedom of of self-determination, it's the freedom of... of, There's so many deep-rooted intertwined freedoms that go into a free society. So we should all be thankful that despite the best efforts of somebody like Trump, the institutions in our country have prevailed. The courts have prevailed. They have not been corrupted by political bias or by who appointed them. The Secretary of State in Georgia is a Republican. He was getting death threats. He didn't do anything except administer a really, really well-ran election. He's getting death threats. He's a Republican, but he stood firm. Politicians in Michigan, when Michigan had that heated uh, certification vote from the board of canvassers, one guy abstained, didn't even vote against. He was still another joke, what he did, but he still only abstained. And the other Republican voted to certify. And in Pennsylvania, there's a few bad apples that are out there trying to sow seeds that the election was corrupt or shouldn't be certified. But most of them, by and large, are are listening to the will of Pennsylvania voters. And all of these men and women, regardless of party identity, regardless of what's in it for them, regardless of human frailty and human greed, have held strong to our values in order to preserve our freedom and our institutions and our way forward and that is something to seriously and truly be thankful for so we should all be thankful for that and it's a marvel to see now you still have these bad apples these disgraceful people bill pascrow by the way who's a congressman from new jersey he represents patterson patterson new jersey and the surrounding areas so he's very very north jersey and i you know Living in, in in Newark, which is North Jersey, right, northeastern Jersey. But if you really get around Jersey like I have, you got South Jersey, which is the Pine Barrens. Which you got the, the Pine Barrens, South Jersey, which by the way I explored this weekend. I explore them all the time, but I went deep in this time. And it, it's a there's no place like the Jersey Pine Barrens. It's a fascinating, fascinating place. It's like a different world. Yet it's so close to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, so close to excuse me, New York. So close to Newark and Trenton, Atlantic City, but it's its own world. Anyway, you have those areas, but then you got the east south, which is like Cape May and and Atlantic City, and then you got the west south, which is like Camden, and then you got Gloucester County and and those counties, which are their own world too. But, you know, just to talk about Pascal, you know, I'm in Newark, Newark's north, but. I consider true north, like unfallible north. North has a little bit of central in it, right? The true, true north, north, north Jersey with its own culture is that Bergen County, Passaic County, Patterson, you know, that's north and not northwest either, just straight up north. Anyway, Bill Pascal's from that region. That's what he represents, Patterson and that north Jersey area there. He came out and said that, look, the, the Rudy Giuliani himself and the attorneys that brought the lawsuits on behalf of Trump should be disbarred. That's what he said. And I think he introduced a resolution for that. Now, now look. As an attorney, you have a, an obligation to defend the Constitution. Now, I'm not advocating for any attorneys, anything that happened to them, for working on a certain firm or or filing a lawsuit or whatever they're doing. But but you should be mindful as an attorney what you're doing. Right? Your paramount paramount concern, your your core oath, the the basic place from wherein your oath originates, from where it derives its validity and its power is from the United States Constitution and holding true to society's fabric, right? You are the guardian against corruption of the fabric. You are the guardian of law and order and rule, right? And the will of the a free democracy and laws properly passed by that democracy or by that democratic republic, if you may. So it is, there are ethical questions as an attorney, I don't care where you work, I don't care who your boss is, I don't care what you get paid, I don't care about any of that, you have ethical obligations, and it's well known by attorneys, that despite what a boss may say, you have an individual license, okay, and even if you're told to do something, you have an obligation independent from that as an attorney, and, and you can be censured ethically regardless of whether you are following orders. That's what maintains the integrity of attorneys in general, right? So, when there are frivolous lawsuits being filed, frivolous lawsuits being filed that attack the sanctity of our free elections or cast doubt upon them, or could be seen by some as an effort. To overturn the rightful and lawful results of a free election. There should be some pause and some question in an attorney's mind, and to be sure, several attorneys and several prominent firms have withdrawn from representing Donald Trump in some of these states and in some of these lawsuits. So it's not that surprising that somebody might call them into question as attorneys, but now you have these House members from other parts of the country calling for Pascal to be censured for for calling for disbarment and, and all these things like he's such an evil person such a bad person i mean why aren't these same people calling into question somebody who's actively attempting to undermine the validity of our democracy why isn't that happening because it really should be And it's troubling that they can find the time to go after Pascal, but not the time to go after Donald Trump or his cronies, who continue, and they continue to file lawsuits, despite the ascertainment of the election by the GSA, despite the recounts that have come out in Biden's favor. They did a recount in Milwaukee, and it it netted Biden another 100-something votes. So, yeah, it was undercounted. It was undercounted for Biden. You know? And they keep trying to disenfranchise certain cities, certain areas. Let's face it, all the areas they're trying to disenfranchise are majority-minority areas. This, this mantra that they're trying to steal our country, they're trying to steal our election, that's just another dog whistle. Like Biden said, buddy, you got a dog whistle about the size of a blowhorn. And it's true. Trying to steal our election, our country, it's just a thinly veiled racial overtone undertone and what i meant to say was overture but you know it's been a long and relaxing weekend so i'm not that on my game verbally i'm not as eloquent as usual i apologize all right i apologize but that's what it is it's a thinly veiled racial overture okay and it's it has no place in our society and it certainly has no place in 2020 it certainly has no place in the 21st century and if we're going to where we should be as a country, it 150% has no place, okay? So, you know, is gonna say what he's gonna say, but to, to call for his head and not, and not tell Trump and his cronies to knock it off, that, that should truly be questioned. People's allegiance to this country and to freedom and to our way of life and our institution should certainly be questioned when they're backing up this mockery. This this ridiculous clown circus that's going on in the White House right now, and not only is it is it a disgrace to the country, but it's a joke. I mean, he's, Trump is is outing himself to be such a pathetic, a pathetic little little waste, pathetic, pathetic little man. He's got no honor. He's maybe the least honorable person in a position of leadership I've ever encountered in my life. He is so dishonorable. And he's continuing to do this. To push these debunked farces. He looks... he You know, he looks like he really is. This is his true character. This is his true nature. If you didn't know it, now you know it. Period. This is his true nature. If you didn't know it, now you know it. Now, the other news that's gone on this, this week is the, the Supreme Court. Amy Coney Barrett made her first decision, her first uh, majority tilting decision anyway. It was the Andrew Cuomo had imposed restrictions on uh, certain groups in New York, religious gatherings. He had imposed limits on them. Uh, the Diocese of New York brought a lawsuit, as did uh, several of the Orthodox Jewish communities in New York. And they said it was unconstitutional. They were being treated unequally, based on religion. Uh, Justice Roberts, as expected, voted with the liberal justices. He had been the swing vote, the, the you know, voice of reason in some regards, you might say, if you're, if you're more on that side of the spectrum. Uh, but Barrett and the conservatives struck it down as unconstitutional. Therefore, uh, you know, they're basically saying that these religious gatherings can go on which could be a problem for all of us, of course, because some of these events are super spreader events. But hey, I mean, elections have consequences, right? And all the people that stayed home and everybody else, I mean, this is now the Supreme Court that's going to predominate uh, the American way of life going forward. And so we should expect more of these types of decisions with a conservative slant. That is what it is, the way things go. I don't expect any court backing from the left. Especially if they don't get the Senate majority, which I don't expect them to get, but we'll see. So this is this is what happens. Elections have consequences. And here we are. So I don't think anybody should be surprised by it. But that's just what's in the news other than the typical Trump stuff. I, I can't wait to... to get back to a sense of normalcy where we just have interesting things in the news about different foreign policies, different just happenings in society, uh, and we can just talk about things other than COVID and other than Donald Trump. I think we all have fatigue with regard to a lot of that. I think we all have a lot of fatigue when it comes to that. So it's just another, you know. hopefully we can get past that and start talking about other substantive issues And I look forward to being able to do that. Hope all of you do, too. But that's pretty much the news this week. Um, Holidays are are fast upon us. It's been a hell of a year. Uh, It seems like yesterday that it was New Year's. (laughs) Last year? And it seems like yesterday that I started this podcast back in March during the beginning of the lockdown just to kind of debunk conspiracy theories. Really, that's really how I started to debunk conspiracy theories. And now look what we've grown into. It's pretty cool. But the year's flown by. Uh, the hiatus in the summer feels like it never happened. Feels like I've just been doing this right through. Um, and, and, and soon we're going to have another toast and another New Year's. And it won't be the same type of celebration we're used to just because of COVID but i hope we've learned something about ourselves for better or worse and for positive or negative negative. and i hope that we are looking forward to a more productive and, and hopefully a better year next year that leads us out of the tunnel and the dark tunnel anyway um and i look forward to that but it, but it, I, I i hope to have a great holiday season there'll be weeks where i'm live there'll be weeks where i'm not but i'll always have something out there for you And I look forward in the coming weeks to having interviews and to continuing to talk to everybody and to just hopefully celebrating most of, you know, society's victory over this virus, although it's not over, you know. We still have to be, you know, resolute in what we're doing. We still have to continue to fight it and to to be responsible, to wear our masks, to socially distance, to get tested and then hopefully many of us to take the vaccine when it's available to thwart this violent virus Um, but nonetheless i think we can have some conversations on the fact that we we did you know, all the things that we did, the food donations, the doctors, uh, the the retired doctors volunteering, the nurses working overtime, the people doing their best to get back to work, restaurants innovating, people patronizing restaurants, uh, Congress even passing the first stimulus now. Now we have the controversy now with Trump and Mnuchin and are they gonna pull the plug on some of the money and then are they gonna thwart it? I think eventually we'll have another stimulus in, in some form. We're gonna continue to try to keep the economy going We did do a pretty good job of rebounding it to some extent uh, recently with with that first stimulus. Although the food lines, if you haven't seen these food lines across the country for people needing holiday meals and who are struggling to feed them and their kids and their families and people who were, you know, very proud people, many of whom were employed before this hit and really hit a lot of people hard, uh, then you're not paying attention. So there's a lot. That needs to still be done and there's a lot to reflect upon that's negative but we should be looking at the positives too and we can be thankful for certain things like what I referenced earlier and in general for our own health and our own um, you know if if we're lucky enough to continue to be employed or to continue to be able to sustain ourselves we should turn that into giving holiday season is a great time for giving and for altruism and to reflect upon your blessings and to try to uh, forward those blessings to other people, not just the time for gluttony and celebration. Although, hey, nothing wrong with a little bit of celebration at all. So, we've all partaken, we should continue to. But it's going to be an interesting month to finish out this insane and crazy year. And I look forward to spending it with all of you. Um, but look, Ian's coming on, and I want you to hear Ian on this USPS interview. It was very informative you're going to come out of it with a lot more knowledge than you had previously, because I came out of it with a lot more knowledge than I had previously. I really appreciate Ian coming on. Uh, Please share this show. Uh, It's information that can benefit a lot of people. Uh, Continue to share, continue to just post a link up, tag somebody in it. It's not that hard to do. And I appreciate it. Uh, Every week we get more listeners and every week we grow. And us growing can only be a positive thing for the dialogue that's out there. So i'll speak to everybody next week but but listen to ian um check out the interview it's great and uh you got another about solid solid you got some solid time still to listen to the podcast so i hope you enjoy this week's show and i'll talk to you all next week enjoy the interview so i got ian on the phone here now ian and i we we know each other for a lot of reasons first of all we grew up in the same town freehold and uh right and where and where you at now you're down in uh tom's river now right ian yeah but for all intents and
1: purposes we'll say tom's river
0: all right so tom's river um and uh we worked in the same place we won't name the company when we were what 19 18 years old too i mean i
1: think it was 2000
0: or 2006 yes so we shared um we shared, um, <laughs> yes. shared quasi managerial duties on uh trading nights and then yes. and then Ian we went to the same undergrad college we both went to Rutgers Newark is that right correct which is cool so we've got a cool history now Ian why don't you tell you know what what do you do currently
1: Currently, for the last two two years, yeah, almost, yeah, a little over two years, I've been working at the United States Post Office.
0: Okay. Now, what's your first of all? Is there a location? Can you give the location? Is it is it a general like New Jersey location? Is it a specific smaller post office? Is it a hub? Like where do you work?
1: I don't want to get well. It's it, it's really. It, it's tough to get into it without giving a lot of detail. Right. But I work at a very big post office. Okay. Um and it's tough, and I need to distinguish that I'm a I'm a clerk. I'm not a mail carrier. I don't take the mail around. I get the mail to the carriers in the morning so they can get it out to to who they're delivering it to.
0: Gotcha. So I mean, is that and you work you, you work different hours than a lot of people. You work at night and stuff, right?
1: Well, I have come to say that no, I work very, very, very early in the morning. Gotcha. Um, I uh, I go in at three thirty. Wow. A.M. Okay. I finish. I finish at noon.
0: So now, are you as a clerk? Are you sorting out? I mean, are, how much mail are you dealing with on a on a daily basis? Let's put it that way. How many? How much volume? So I deal with.
1: My post office deals with technically five different zip codes. It's a wow. very large post office. We have over a hundred carriers. Wow. And uh, our our volume is on a on a slow day maybe two or three thousand parcels. And wow. That's not including thousands and thousands of letters.
0: Wow. Okay. And so po- that's that's huge. Okay. So now, yeah. Um. In that capacity, I mean, let's let's talk about some things because you had you had spoken to me about I mean, look, the the postal service is all over the news lately, right? I mean, it's nonstop. Um, yes, I can, mean it's long overdue to be
1: talked about in the news and everything because the post office has been facing the problems that have been really brought to a head, which really happened in August of all times. Mm-hmm. It, these are things that have been going on for for for. Decades.
0: Right. So now let's now look. The Postal Service has a proud history. It's really most people take for granted the, po- the USPS, right? We have UPS. We have FedEx. But you take for granted putting a letter, you know, just a letter with a standard stamp in any branch and it gets where it's supposed to go. And a lot of our mail still travels over USPS. Now, Ian, you're talking about things that have been going on for decades. Let's start out on a macro level, and then we'll get more specific and more recent. What are you referencing there? In, in, you know, is it budget cuts? Is it just a change in structure? What are you, what are you referencing?
1: It's, it's tough to – got to give you like a little bit of a full scope. And, and first of all, I have to say, kind of like you say at the beginning of all of your podcasts, yes. I'm my own entity. I don't officially speak for the USPS. Yes. I don't know everything that there is to know about USPS. I don't think there's a single person alive who knows everything <laughs> that there is to know about USPS because it's such a it's such a big big machine and it's so ingrained into our country. Right, it goes back to like the in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It, it predates like almost any type of legislation that there ever was because it's just always been around. Wow, but it was it was a federal and and the uh, the office of the Inspector General was the first federal agency to
0: predate the FBI. Yes, and if you recall, like, watching some of the old films about old gangs, I think think, uh, Boardwalk Empire, even, it was predated FBI. It was the Inspector General that was doing things in the Internal Revenue Service. Do you know how old the post office is, like, a year? I'm sorry,
1: what was that?
0: Do you know how old the post office is, like, a year or at least, like, a a decade? Is it, like, pre-revolution, like, 17-something? Is it...
1: You know, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I mean, even before, even before the revolution, people still had to send stuff to each other. <laughs> right. They still had to send correspondence. So I'm sure it, I'm sure it exists. I don't know at what, what point the USPS started because right. there was no United States until, True. until, you know, until the Revolutionary War. But I'm sure that it existed in whatever capacity it did. True. Probably like at least a year or two before, maybe. I can't really, I can't really make sense facts,
0: though. Facts, okay. Facts, but it's, facts. but it's old. So, okay. So continue with what you were saying. It's really, really, really old and, and you can't know everything about it because it's such an, such an ingrained entity with so many complexities that go so far back.
1: It is. It's a, it's a, it's a nightmare mm-hmm. because there is a, there is literally a form, a specific form for almost anything that you could think of. I printed out the other day, there's an actual, they have a resignation form, and one of the reasons that you can give for, uh, for retiring or, or leaving Uh is that you're leaving to pursue farming. Really? (laughs) Because it's that, it's (laughs) that old. I'm like, like, maybe, maybe I should do this. Maybe, what happens if I go in on Monday and give this to my boss? Like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to start to pursue farming because this isn't working out.
0: I guess it just speaks to the old nature of it with the agrarian society back then, you know, people left yeah. to go farming, homesteaders.
1: So, it was a it was a true, true, true federal agency mm-hmm. up until I think the 70s and um the employees, you know, they started, you know, they weren't getting they weren't getting paid enough and the unions weren't around yet and this was when Nixon was the president. Right. And he and Congress, you know, it's in it's in like the postal like I guess I guess handbook or whatever. Man, that's what We can't go on strike because we are we are like the original essential service. We the mail right. needs to find the country together. People need their documents. They and and now you know now more importantly they need their medicine. You could you could send a document online. You can't send medicine online. Right. Good point. Um. So um they worked the the union not at the union the postal workers all went on strike for about two or three days and they brought in like the national guard to like help deliver the mail and finally the wow. the, the agreement that was struck was that um the post office could you know they were going to congress was going to not defunding that postal service anymore they they were not going to give them that 25% of, of, I guess their, their, the funding that they were always getting, it would come, right. out, come out of taxpayers, and that it would be, um, what was it, and that they would have, you know, they can pay their, they can pay their employees more, and they don't have to pay extra money or something to, to you know, in their taxes, so they don't have to pay the government any extra money. So whatever they were making, they were keeping, and for a while, that that kind of worked. Right, because and now. Do you the Postal know- Service has a—it's it, almost a monopoly on sending letters. No one else can send letters. No one else has access to to your mailbox except the United States Postal Service.
0: And that's true to this day.
1: That's still true.
0: That makes sense. For now that makes sense because I'll get parcels. You know, that's this is still
1: true to this day. But in the early 2000s, email started to take away from from that revenue, and that's where the post office makes all of their money it's well the big portion of their money is from stamps
0: right okay so let me rewind a second too so you're right i mean the parcel thing it's funny i'll get parcels smaller ones in my mailbox and then obviously ups and fedex is always outside i never thought about why but that's why that makes a lot of sense um the other thing is they are
1: not allowed to touch your mailbox
0: so interesting okay so the other thing is when you said in the 70s that they could pay their employees more and they were cut out of the budget did that mean it started becoming like a quasi private entity a, pr- a quasi non-governmental entity like they still get yeah, government budget the, or No, they didn't get
1: government they were getting government funding and that's when government funding completely ceased. Um, Interesting. The were formed, right. And um and it was now it was more of a transition of the post office functioning, it was still a government entity, but it was also being operated like a business.
0: Interesting. Okay, so since the 70s...
1: And I believe it was also at that point mandated that the Postal Service 100% has to be able to travel to every, every residence every single day.
0: Wow, okay. all right, so they mandated that and it's operating it's generating its own revenue streams to handle its own budgetary concerns like paying employees and whatnot.
1: And it's been ever since.
0: Yes, but then the government has some oversight, right? because they appoint people at some
1: yes, that was part of that was like one of the things. you know they said that you know the post office can you know you can operate as your own type of business, but you can't control costs without without getting them approved. Right. So right. they're so it's kind of like a business, but with no control over itself, because it's still subject to this like government oversight.
0: Very, very interesting. So now, so now let's get back to what you were saying, which was they generated a lot of their revenue from sending letters. You're saying via stamps, I guess, and with email, they lost a significant portion of their revenue.
1: Yeah, because um, I think I. I just I just did some you know extra research just to make sure I had you know straight numbers to give you and mm-hmm. everything. But um, in like the end of the '90s and the, the beginning of the 2000s, you know, the sending letters if they were like it was it was a tremendous thing. It was like 100 billion or something letters that were sent in a year. Right, it's crazy. It was right. The numbers were, were were huge. But with email, once everyone got access to that. You know, you don't have to wait, you know, three or five or ten days for someone to get a letter, you could just send them an email, you could just have a conversation with them on AOL right. or MSN Messenger at that point if you wanted to. Yes. There, were so, there were other ways around, you know, the typical correspondence that people had been doing for 200 years that, you know, that they didn't want to do what we're doing and just call them on the phone.
0: Well, that's what's interesting, just to just to give people an example, not that they need it, but I mean, I'm sitting here visualizing what you're saying. And yeah, we can say people would f- call each other because, you know, I we lost we lost that beautiful um, old letter correspondence that we have from the revolutionary and civil War times where people would write love letters and interfamily interpersonal letters. We know that you could call somebody on the phone since early twentieth century, at least late nineteenth century. However, I'm looking out at the Newark skyline and the New York skyline. I'm thinking about, Ian, all the business and professional correspondence that probably took place on paper letters that is now just email. It's a lot. It's got to be huge numbers of, of revenue that was lost. Think about that. Like Not personal stuff so much as business correspondence and professional correspondence. That's huge.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, if you think, and also, if you think about just the space that was needed to house all of those letters, because in you business you're not let there's there's retention records that you need to maintain. So how many years of that do you need to keep? You need to keep email, so that's why server farms are a big thing in like right. you know, in North Virginia now and everything like that. But think about all like you know the extra revenue that was just kept for just paper housing companies. Yes. I know so exist. Right, they still exist, but I'm sure not on the same level that they used to, and that's probably a big part due to you know the lack of you know letter and, and mail correspondence. But there's still you know there's still tons of stuff that gets sent by paper. When you get your bank statements, you know they're all pushing to, to have you go online they are. and everything, but most places will be more than happy to provide you with a paper statement.
0: Yes, and that's, that's... the
1: government is that you try to keep for about five years
0: in case you get audited. Right. And I it's
1: that anymore. That's No,
0: me doing. either. And I'm terrible with it, but it's funny cuz you learn something every day and I'm thinking about all the paper companies I see in like old photos and old movies and video games i never knew what the hell it was. That that's what it is. I never thought about that. I, you learn something every day. So anyway though, let's let's read, you know, let's stay on the track we're on So now so now they've lost the revenue. So now we're getting into the 21st century. And what else is happening in the evolution of the USPS? Because we keep hearing that it's struggling, uh, that there's issues, What, what are, what's going on here that's in the works, that's been going on since the 21st uh, century? So
1: they, they lost all of the, they lost well not all, they lost a lot of the revenue because of the drop-off in actual letters that were being mailed. Right. But parcels and online ordering, the same thing that caused the drop-off in, in letters, Cause the upsurge in people ordering online, right. so everyone, there's there, there's not like a single person that like doesn't in some way use us for you know for their parcel deliveries. Right. Like even if you order something and it goes through FedEx or Amazon or UPS or or well, not DHL anymore, but they drop stuff off to the post office to do like the last you know couple miles of delivery. Oh. So think about you know. It doesn't make sense for, um, it doesn't make sense for FedEx to deliver one small thing of medicine outside your door, where it could be blown away with the wind or something.
0: Right. You know, I mean,
1: there's tons of other stuff. And why waste, you know, one of your carrier's time, to like, you know, have to get out of the car and walk up to the door for one little tiny piece of mail that they can't, you know, for one tiny parcel that they can't put in your uh, mailbox because they're not the post office. Right. So they they drop tons of stuff off to us every single day. Every day when we're done with the mail, UPS pulls up with a truck filled with stuff. And it ranges, you know, some of it's big stuff too, but a lot of it is, you know, smaller stuff that, you know, that gets separated and stuff that could fit into mailboxes.
0: Right. And then. And And
1: FedEx does the same thing.
0: And you said that you guys have to have a carrier that every door, you have to have that, like, basically. Every door in the country, you you, you have to have somebody who should, goes up to it.
1: Sorry, it should it should really be the it should be the post office motto. Every door, every day, because no one else does that. USP, UPS S P U P S isn't going to do it because it doesn't make sense for them to you know right. have to maybe drive fifty miles out of their way right drop off one parcel when we're going to be going there anyway. It makes sense for them to hand it off to us. It does, and and that's why you don't see you don't see you know you're not going to see a ups store in the middle of a super super rural town in, in what right. whatever right. state you want to talk about but there's going to be a post office in in almost every in almost every town
0: and that brings me a question but i want to let a, you finish it's a
1: service it's not a private entity it's got to be everywhere it's a service for all of the country which right. is incredible it's a really noble mission
0: Right, and that that brings up a question. But I want to let you finish your background stuff before I get into specific questions. But so now you have this post office. The parcels have gone up as letters have gone down, and they are.
1: And that's that's what that's what's causing you know that's what's giving us you know a lot of the revenue now, and it's been saving the post office a lot in during COVID because no one could shop in stores, so where everything went. It's been Christmas for the last six months at the post office. Right, right. It's been an insane several months now is there ever maybe if you kept us alive for like another year or two because of just the money that was brought in but we still lost a lot of money
0: right so you lost a lot of money now is there is there a conflict I'm going to guess there is between your obligations like we have to be at every doorstep in America versus your revenue streams you know like you don't have enough money to, to stay afloat with the mandated mission is that a problem yeah yeah I mean I think
1: a couple of years ago was the first time that you know that the USPS wasn't able to you know to meet some of its monetary obligations and stuff and had to possibly borrow money. I'm not entirely sure how that worked, right. but I know that we were like really, really, really in the red starting a couple of years ago.
0: Okay, so you're really in the red a couple of years ago. Now let me ask you this: If there's more background to get up to today, go go for it. Proceed. If not. I want to ask you about, like, you know, the last ten or so years. We keep hearing about the government okay. trying to, 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 I don't know if it's like get rid of it, defund it, marginalize it. What, what's going on? Is to the extent you know, we keep hearing about the government attacking USPS, save okay. USPS. What, what's going on with that? All
1: right. So it started with that legislation that was written in the in the seventies, where you know we're technically a business now, but we have. It's very difficult for us to control the prices of our products.
0: Right. Like right. It still needs
1: to be submitted all to a government oversight and everything, and you know that made that made things difficult because we're a business that can't necessarily be run like a business, and we have to make our own money, but we don't have control over a lot of um, over a lot of prices. Right. So if you fast forward to 2006. So I'm just going to give you a very specific thing that you could look up. I, I read the whole thing entirely the entire other day. You know, it's it's another it's a tough piece of legislation uh-huh. it's really hard to make head or tail of, <laughs> unless you know, right. unless you really know the language of of you know of the law and everything. Right. But it's uh, HR six four zero seven. Mm hmm. Um, and that's that's the thing that has really caused a huge, huge. Uh, a money hole for for the post office.
0: Okay Um.
1: you know, it does more. It talks about, you know More regulation of, of pricing so it made things harder to you know It still you know continued to make things hard to price and to make a profit because we can all, we can't raise our, our prices on stuff Without tons of pre-approvals, right? But the thing that really sunk us was this thing that was added in by Republicans who kind of just snuck in and it, it's not a very big It's not a very big chunk of this legislation, but it forces the United States Postal Service to fund 50 years of health and retirement benefits for its previous and current employees, which is something that no other government entity does, and I don't think any other business is required to do.
0: Wow. So when was that? That was in the 70s, that bill, or is that newer?
1: That was No, no, that was in 2006.
0: Oh. That, was,
1: that was in December of 2006. I think, I think it was in a lame duck session of Congress.
0: Wow. And they
1: kind of just this was kind of just tacked on. I don't. I I didn't look to see who voted for it, but everyone it was bipartisanly voted to go through. Maybe because of the other things, and this kind right. of you know on paper it seems like oh that should be great. You know that you know they'll be funding everything, but if you think about it. This is a really important aspect of yeah. postal service. I, I'm very certain that they're the third largest employer in the United States, right? It's Amazon and Walmart, and I believe that we're the third. So, if you're talking about, a, you know, you're pre-funding for 50 years the retirement benefits of 450,000 people. That's
0: expensive wow, as wow, so wow. It's all right. Really <laughs> So that was in 2006, and that makes sense because that's when I keep hearing how much trouble they're in. So it, it essentially – it was a huge money problem that was slipped in there sponsored by Republicans in a bill. Why do you – I mean I don't want to get – but look, you're a student of politics and history. This is obviously your personal opinion. Do you have any reason why people might want to destroy the post office? Is there anything fruitful about it?
1: They just – they want to just – I, if there's just been this war to make it I, – I, I, I feel a private business for for 40 or for more 40 50 or more years, right? Because there's money. Obviously, there's money to be made in logistics, right? And obviously, the postal service. You know, we already we're already established. There's already this tremendous right. networking footprint that you know uh, that that someone else could come in and just make probably make a ton of money off of. But then it would it would no longer be a service because if it becomes private they're going to start closing more and more post offices. There's already a few that are closing.
0: Well, that's my, that was my. It
1: really can't, it can't really, you know, make ends meet, you know, then it's completely pointless for them to really be there. But for the most part, most post offices have managed to survive and are still very important in their community, in their communities that they're in.
0: Right. So now I wanted to ask you this. This was the question that, that that came to mind before and it kind of, we led into it, segued nice into it now. There have been reports of some post offices closing, though, and I get your fear is that if it went private, they would close a bunch because that's what they always do. It's not about being a service. It's about be- making profit, and, and they'll close things just like yeah. they do factories. But what are the what about the ones that we've heard are at risk of closing now? Is there reasons for that? Is it because there's another one nearby? Is it, it seems like some rural communities are at risk. If they don't have their post office, like you said before, they're going to have a real problem getting parcels and mail.
1: Um, I think from what I from what I've seen that the ones that are kind of on the, the brink of closing there's ones that you know you're, you're not gonna you're still not gonna have to go far to find a postal service. gotcha so by me you know there's the main office in Toms River but also Seaside Heights and Seaside Park and right. they're, they're part of they they're technically all part of the same post office right so it wouldn't be like the most detrimental thing if one of them closed. But, you know, then you're going to have to, you know, anyone who's in Seaside Park or Seaside Heights, they would have to go over the bridge. They'd have to drive 20 minutes to get to, like, their local post office. And still, you shouldn't have to drive 20 minutes to, to you know, to get to your post office to, to buy stamps or whatever, or they'd have to completely restructure the routes that they're on and,
0: right. and
1: rural routes. And it, 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 becomes, it becomes very confusing, but I don't think anyone really wants that. Well, anyone who works. It, for the union no, nobody wants that uh, right I, I can't speak for for management and, and 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 district management though
0: right and it's funny because i live in newark and obviously I, i'm within walking distance right now of two post offices and i'm literally a block away from you can go yeah there's one right across the street that's the biggest most beautiful it's one of the old like it's a post office slash federal courthouse i mean it's beautiful it's one of the old ones but you can get to it easily, and it's so much more convenient. I actually go a good amount—not every day—but I go to deliver to mail letters, checks, uh, professional correspondence. I walk over there, and I deliver it, and it's—it's it's a great thing to have it. it. We take it for granted now. Let me ask you this. So so now we're pivoting. So now we're, we're up to, to this era. Where it's 2020. That bill was in 2006. And it seems like there's this constant tug of war. Has anything happened recently? I mean, that's been tough because I'm going to get into the whole election and everything in a minute. But, you know, no. have things gotten better or worse recently? Is there more of a push? Is there is it looking bleak going forward for USPS? Is it looking no. promising?
1: It's all tough to tell, and everything is. Oh, everything's always been up in the air with with the postal service. Right. right. This year, we transitioned from our old postmaster general, uh, Megan Brennan. That I never saw too much correspondence from her to, to, you know, to employees on like you know on our intranets and everything like that. But now she resigned, and Trump brought in Louis DeJoy. Right. Well, Trump. It's important to tell Trump didn't bring in Louis DeJoy, but Trump brought in the five members of the postal governors, who then chose to pick appoint Louis DeJoy as as the postmaster general.
0: Okay, now hold on, because now now I want to ask you boy. something. Now I want to ask you something, because this is stuff, again, I don't, I'm learning a lot this morning, by the way, a lot, and it's really interesting. So now, <laughs> it's crazy how much you learn, dude, just talking to people. I really appreciate you coming on. It's just, it's just so, it's, what were you saying?
1: So when you think about the post office, it's just like okay, I send letters, I send parcels, and they get them. There's, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable how much more there is to it than that for this thing that we like you said that we all just take for granted. Yeah. it's always just been around, and we will always be around. There's there's <laughs> right. there's so many intricacies and nuances. Even I learn new stuff every day working there, and it's, it's just, there's there's so there's it's layers upon layers upon layers of stuff that. You would never in a million years even think about in passing. It's crazy. Yeah. And I love that's
0: why I love having people just tell us things that, that just all of us can get something from, all the listeners and myself. So now you said that Brennan res- uh, left, retired, and there was a board of governors. Now, how long was she there? Was she from a previous you know stint how many years and then two tell me a little bit about this board of governors who appoints them how do they pick a, a postmaster general what their role is just so people understand the structure before we even get into the new to the joy
1: so i don't want to get too into this because i don't know the super specific details i always okay. thought that they were supposed to be i always thought they were supposed to be nine like Postal Board of uh, Governors on the board. Right. Um, I, I know that that number, you know, people would resign and then they would stop. They wouldn't fill certain seats. Right. Um, but then, you know, in the last four years, Trump, they, they've all retired, and Trump put his own, the, he chose the people who are now the, the Postal Board of Governors. I think Megan Brennan was around since, you know, since Obama. I'm not, I'm not I, don't know, okay. I don't know how long she was there. Okay. I, I don't even know any, I can't even name accomplishments that she did. Right, but I just know that all I know is that she was the Postmaster General, and that she was slated to retire very early on in the year, like as early as January, Uh and they kept pushing it back. I don't know why they kept pushing it back. (laughs) Okay, you know, there's obviously it's Washington, so tons of stuff (laughs) goes behind goes. There's, you know, it says in the Constitution that sh- there should be no quid pro quo over right. you know, legislation <laughs> and, and picking anything. But it's just like, that's just a lie. There's right. quid pro quo for almost everything.
0: Yes. Okay. So now that makes but sense. Stuff we don't know. Got you. Okay. So then she's there. There's this board of governors who's appointed by the president, I guess. Are Do you know if they're approved by the Senate? I don't even know. I don't think they are. So it's just a, a unilateral executive appointment. That we'll research that, but that's really interesting. So now Trump appoints. And,
1: and, appo- and even, even even if they were, even if they did have to be appointed by mm-hmm. like Congress, it doesn't matter. It hasn't <laughs> mattered for the last
0: four years. Very true and disheartening. Um, so now they yeah. so now they select the joy. So now go finish your thought with where you were going with with that situation. I just wanted to get some background on it.
1: Yeah. So that, that it all switched over to DeJoy, and he immediately started trying to. He comes from he comes from a tremendous logistics background. Right. And he tried to immediately start running it like like a business. Right. That, that he typically runs. They he decommissioned about uh, six hundred plus uh, uh, letter sorting machines. Um, he wanted to. He he immediately wanted to slash overtime because, as you can imagine. Hey, you know, I said 450,000 before. I'm talking about maybe that's career employees, but actually it's close to like 630,000 plus people who work. Because wow. there's non career positions as well.
0: Right. Let me ask I'll you probably, this. I'll
1: probably get in a few minutes, but it's it, 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 it kind of important just, just for knowing how the Postal Service actually works.
0: Yeah, I think that's very um, important. But let me ask you this before we move on. The, the, the letter shorting machines, he, he discommissioned how many of them? Decommissioned? over over 600 now let me ask you this because you are in there early in the morning sorting mail I mean what how, how important are those machines what do they what what do they do how how does it affect so to decommission my,
1: them my my post office doesn't have letter sorting machines okay we have we actually have we have we have clerks who actually you know who know who know what they're called they're called schemes as mm-hmm. far as, you know, um, knowing, you know, what route goes to, you know, what street goes to what route. Right. So we have clerks who know, you know, oh, it's Deerfield Lane or something. Yes. Oh, that's, you know, that's that's this city, Harry. That's this route number. Yes. They know that stuff. And it's crazy because there's thousands of streets and they just know them. <laughs> right. And they know all of them.
0: Right. Which is... Ing- so that's crazy
1: enough in itself. Yes. But oh, there's, 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 there's still lots of letters coming in and... There's just something that that never made sense to me is that they are decommissioning these letter sorting machines, which sort super super fast and can get everything done very quickly. Right. But they're all. But they also want to cut overtime.
0: Right. So now these they letter sorting machines involved. too are if they, they in want maybe? To cut
1: overtime. You should utilize the machines more. I
0: right. Mean, just, well, let me ask you I this know. though. Let me ask you. Just to get more drilled down on it, are these machines primarily in like maybe larger metropolitan districts, where you know you have a crazy high volume. Is it where you have higher turnover in employees? Where are these machines primarily used? Because you don't you don't have them where you are, because your clerks just know where are these machines usually located and, and helpful, like in in bigger cities. So
1: there's two types of postal facilities. There's your town post office. Mine mm-hmm. happens to be a tremendous one. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also there's also sorting there's sorting facilities okay. like the one for South Jersey everything comes from Trenton and Hamilton slash Hamilton that's, okay. their, that's the main hub like everything for South Jersey it goes you know when we send stuff when when you bring stuff to us to send out it right. goes to it will go to Trenton and then it goes and then it gets dispatched to okay. wherever its location is Okay. so stuff for for Brick I think probably for like three Well, you know what? Maybe not for three holes because it's a different county. Right. But everything for pretty much an Ocean County, it, everything goes to everything goes to Trenton. Right. And everything comes from Trenton. We get trucks from Trenton in the morning. They they sort. They have to sort all the stuff that comes to them. They send it to us. That so makes a lot of sense. Those facilities have those lightning fast sorting machines okay but when they have those sorting machines, it makes life a lot easier of because course. when they're sorting stuff, they they can give carriers um they can give carriers trays of mail that are actually already like in order of how they're supposed to be delivered. Right. Instead of us getting them and just putting them in a mishmash and then, yeah, you have to figure out where they go.
0: That's, that ver- that's save, so interesting. That saves
1: time doing it by the machine. And it saves time for the carriers because it's just they just take this tray and they figure out where and the rat is supposed to go and they can just start dishing out the mail.
0: Right. So now, so now back to DeJoy. So he decommissioned six hundred. How many again?
1: I think it was six hundred. It was six hundred plus. That's, I, I don't know these Yes. Days, and, and, I'm, and I'm like 620 or 630. And,
0: and that's across the nation. So now that we start seeing the levels of the postal service and the, the facilities that are kind of macro that then go into the smaller branches, we see the utility of these machines. Andy cut overtime. So you're telling me that you're losing the machine, but you're also telling people they can't get paid for working more. So isn't just that just going to slow down the whole process? Yeah, that's kind of.
1: That's kinda what it seemed. it's kind of what it seems like. Um, something that they did something that they did, the first thing that they did for cutting overtime was cutting something called early overtime. Mm-hmm. And that's when you come in before your shift starts. So my shift supposed to start at three mm-hmm. thirty. And if the mail was heavy, you know, they used to be say they you could they could say, Hey, come in at you know, come in at 1:30 Right. Now you'll get two hours you'll get two hours of overtime at the beginning and right. then you'll work then you'll work your eight hour day. Right. They cut that, so now people really there's no incentive for people to come in earlier and do that. And early hours, that's when all the that's when all the real sorting happens. That's when like the plants are like they're up in the morning. Right. You know, they, we have to. The, there's there's a huge urgency to get this tremendous volume of mail to the carriers so they can get it out to to everyone in the country, or at least you know in their case, you know in our case the towns. They right. have to get to get everything out, and if it takes longer to get everything done in the morning, now the carriers who are going to be starting at eight, you know, now they need to sort more stuff. They're not the, the, right. the stuff's not done sorting. Now they're going to be they're going to stay later. Right, they have to stay later to like get all the mill done. But they all have to be back at the plant by six o'clock because now the trucks that that do the dispatch to the uh, to the main hub, which is in our case Trenton. That, that truck leaves at 6 no exceptions so if you don't have everything done by then there it starts you know the worry comes in like oh did we not get all the mail out and are we delaying the mail
0: wow no. and when did this happen <laughs> i was it the summer when did this ha- i forget i remember the news but the decommissioning and the overtime cuts
1: i had yeah this was this was crazy The the the, the overtime thing started almost as soon as he took over i think in july okay and then the decommissioning came i actually had like i had i had like a i had almost two weeks off in august so i'm like finally i get a break so in those two weeks is when all the shit hit the fan and i was just reading every day about whatever lewis DeJoy was up to like yeah he's cutting machines he's these do exist. These, these machines are needed. They're in key. They're in key, like swing states where these uh, where these machines are shutting down. But I don't think that should have too much to do with the ballots. I've, I've never actually seen one of those machines because we don't have them. Right. I don't know if the ballots could even fit into them because the ballots are not a typical letter size. At least, at least by me.
0: So you're saying that whatever his, he was up to with the machines, at least with the machines. You don't think based on what you know that it actually relates to the election?
1: I think very 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 this is, you know, kind of what we really want to Right get into. The most of most of the election stuff it almost has nothing to do with the post office, as crazy as that sounds.
0: That's interesting.
1: Bro, the post office the post office is just near. What we've always been, we've always just been the messenger, right? Since the beginning of the country, we've just been the messenger. Like we're not actually, you know, we're not going into the votes. We're not looking at who you voted for. We don't care. Right. We, we. It is our job to simply just make sure that you know the board, our local board of elections, gets all of the ballots, right? Because it's easiest for us to go and distribute them, and it's easiest for us to collect them
0: right so now
1: and that's it that's our that's that's the only part of our job we don't even i don't even think we make the ballots
0: that makes sense i mean and i to be honest i dropped my ballot off in a ballot box in front of city hall so it had nothing to do with the they delivered it you guys delivered it but then i dropped it off right to the right to the government right to city hall i mean it wasn't and i think a lot of people did
1: but yeah, just, yeah, yeah, because Trump's for, for since March been like, oh, the post. Well, for decades, the the Republicans have been, you know, bashing the post office and saying right. it's, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not viable, it's not this, it's not reliable. And then Trump just, just doubled down and right. tripled down or quadrupled down or whatever <laughs> right. he always does, on, right? On just on whatever statements, and it really has nothing to do with us. The Board of Elections when you fill out your voter registration card, mm-hmm. you give it to the Board of Elections, and they're the ones who are responsible for putting your name and your address on an envelope and sending it out. Like, right. We're, the Post Office isn't messing up addresses. We're not messing up names. This is just what we were told to deliver. So right. when we send stuff out, you know, there's tons of ballots that, that don't really get delivered because, you know, it's addressing not known. The person moved. Maybe they never put in a forward. This person's now deceased. This person doesn't live here anymore. This is a this is something that there's no such street that has... There's no such street as this. There's no such street number as this. Right. There's no such address as this. This is an invalid or an incomplete address. If you live in an apartment and you just put... You know, it's not unbelievable to think that someone would just put their the address of their apartment and, and leave out the apartment number. Right. you can't really... For the most part, we can't really deliver stuff like that, so it gets sent back to us. And we need to send all that stuff back to the Board of Elections, in hopes that they can figure out where it actually needs to go. Right. And when we do get regular ballots back, we just make sure that they're bundled up in like sacks of 50, that they're post-dated or, or what have you, and we give them to the Board of Elections, and they do all the work. We have we have almost nothing to do with it, except you know delivering and giving them back to the board
0: of Elections. So now are you is it is it fair to say that that Trump's rhetoric about the post office being unreliable and maybe some of the rhetoric on the other side that Trump's trying to sabotage by way of destroy the election is kind of all a farce because the post office it's not really doesn't really have much to do with the election other than just delivering ballots. Do you think
1: though that well, th- well th- this year, that's a, well, this year it happens just to be a tremendous, a tremendous, you know, talking point. But yeah, I mean, we, we we did our part. We delivered. We delivered. How many millions and millions of ballots did we deliver?
0: I mean, so I mean, it went smooth. Quite frankly, Ian. I mean, I think, and I'll yeah. speak to this on the monologue this week. But I mean, quite frankly. Uh, it was a smooth election, all things considered. We had one of the biggest turnouts in a hundred years. We had, uh, very few problems. It was almost all mail-in during a pandemic. And for all intents and purposes, it went well. So you guys did a great job. But let me ask you this, though. (laughs) Cutting machines... And manpower hours a couple months before such a heavily mailed election, do you think there's an angle that maybe DeJoy or Trump or whatever did have to try to maybe gum up the works a little bit? Or, or do you think that's a stretch?
1: Um, could you repeat that one because you started to break up in that
0: one? Yeah, no problem. I, I, I was saying... Given the fact that we were going to have a heavily, like you guys, whether you didn't have anything to do with the actual intricacies of the election, but I mean, you delivered massive amounts of mail that, court, that dealt with the election, do you, is there anything to be said for the fact that there were machines decommissioned and man hours cut right before that was going to happen? Is there any angle that maybe that had something to do with the election? The only thing that I could
1: think that that would really do. When the carriers got their their ballots and stuff, you know, these are carriers who are usually out of the post office on a good day. They could be out by by 8 o'clock. Right. Or, or 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 like nine at the latest if they had a lot of parcels. Right. On the days when we finally got those ballots that were coming in, right? People who are usually out in there at like 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. they were there chasing and making sure that, you know, that these all these ballots were going to the right addresses. They were there till like 10, 11 o'clock. Wow! To make sure to to, to get everything ready, and prepared because you know, you know, it's, you know, every door every day, but you're not really delivering to every door every day. Yes. You know, everyone doesn't get mail every day. Right. Right. Sometimes you know, sometimes someone gets one thing, but when you're talking about ballots, everyone knows it's important to get the ballot to to to, to you know to their to their to their routes. Right. Uh, so they had to take the time and then everyone's cases were full because they were really, when they would do it, you know, it would be a complete set for this zip code in a day. And on this book, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's 10,000 or, you know, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50,000 or more people. So with a hundred routes, it gets, it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit insane. They took a very long time to do this. Right. So they had to cut over time, and they had to deal with all these other parcels because of COVID. Right. It, it just makes for a sure that, you know, that mail could be delayed. But really, there was no, there weren't really, there's no widespread cases of, of ballots being delayed.
0: Right. So you guys rose to the challenge, um, so though, the is what you're the saying. Of
1: course, the election board sent them to a bad address or the wrong address.
0: Right, that wouldn't have been you. But but basically, though, you had to rise to the challenge, and you guys did rise to the challenge. But it seemed like it was a challenge. Like there was an increase, not the challenge because you guys know what you're doing, but meaning there was an increase of volume and hours and things because of the, the male nature of the election.
1: Oh, there definitely were, because every single year they need to send out the stuff for, uh, this is your polling place, this right. is your sample ballot. Right. So now this year it was it was almost it was almost the same thing because right. everyone, you know, you have to send out the This is even for people who did mail in voting, they still needed to send out. This is your polling place.
0: Right. So there's just so a lot of mail, a lot of extra mail.
1: All the deal. It's all the same and everything happened the same. I mean, this time we didn't get sample ballots. Nobody got sample ballots, especially in New Jersey, because every single person who was registered. Got instead of a sample ballot, they just got their regular ballot.
0: Right, 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 right. That makes sense. There's
1: been been almost no difference. Right. There's been almost no difference. But there's just been this incredible distrust that's been sown since March and that's been beaten into people's heads over and over and over again, almost nonstop. And then, you know, everyone, Trump doing what he does, he's saying what you want. He's smart as hell. You know, he knows how to control the media. And he he, he guided the narrative of this whole thing and got the whole country talking about the Postal Service. Right. So now everyone's fighting. If they weren't fighting about enough, now everyone's fighting about the Postal Service too.
0: Right, so you're saying that despite the fact that it's a, things a lot
1: of it's hysteria
0: yes, that things went smoothly with you and, and you guys rose to the challenge and even some of the things that might have thwarted you really didn't thwart you as bad as some might think in doing your job there's still this propaganda or this rhetoric or narrative that you guys can't be trusted and that's the reason the election could be you know undermined or not trusted and that's the reason we can't have faith in this election and yada yada and you're like dude I'm working here we're fine we did our jobs it went smoothly
1: Alright, so this is a point I really wanted to get into. Okay. I'm sure you heard about the stuff in New Jersey. I mean, I only know about it in three places. You know, New Jersey, in, uh, in a spot in Pennsylvania, and a spot in Kentucky. Right. You know, it, it, it basically made national news or whatever that there were carriers who were throwing out ballots or something. Yeah, like I that.
0: saw a couple guys. I don't sure know what the know motives you, were.
1: I'm sure you heard about that.
0: I did. But it was only, there was like a guy up here in Carney. Everyone
1: was talking about it for several days.
0: Yeah. But it was like a guy here or there, like ten ballots. Not even ballots, like like ten pieces of mail or something. I don't know what I don't think it was election motivated from what I read, or just guys screwing up. I don't know. But tell me what what your thoughts are.
1: So these made these were these were pretty big news things. Everyone at the post office was talking about them, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh this person in Carney, he Mm -hmm. he threw out maybe, you know, or tried to trash I think it was like ninety nine ballots or something. Right which isn't even a big number. But right. And there were also, you know, the one in Pennsylvania, which was, like, he threw out a lot of, like, political mail, which is just, like, you know, stuff that, like, senators send out when elections are getting close, Right, um, right, right. He threw out a lot of that. The, the, the big crime is that he threw away a lot of personal. Which is a federal offense. You can go to jail for throwing out first class mail. Yes. No matter what. No matter who you are.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Even 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 me. Even me. If right. I threw out if, in the course of doing my job, I happened to throw out a piece of first class mail, and someone caught it. <laughs> like if a, somehow a postal inspector saw me throw that out, right? I go to I could go to jail. It's
0: crazy, it was but it's true. So right. That's
1: why this was such a big deal. Not right. so much because of the ballots, but since we were in an election season. And since it's been so polarized, and and just everyone's getting heated, everyone just starts talking like, "Oh, this is all you know." They're 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 burning they're burning ballots. They're throwing out ballots. <laughs>
0: right, right. It wasn't
1: a lot of ballots. Right. And the post and the post, and the postal service can't be trusted. That was the rhetoric that came out of all that. Right. The post office can't be trusted. There's carriers who are throwing
0: out ballots. They're throwing out the mail. Right. And that no.
1: So, <laughs> just to me, it kills me because these are the same people who you know whenever every time you hear the news another african-american's been killed by the police right oh there's bad apples there's bad apples right but the, but, but the police as a whole are still good but right. when like three mail carriers threw out like one or like 20 ballots or something the whole postal system can't be trusted that's and a then, great point you know, that's just, that's just a sign of where we are as uh-huh. kind of a country as a whole.
0: The hypocrisy is is maddening no matter where you are politically. It's just maddening how this is this size fits my point here, but this is the complete wrong size for my point over there. It's ridiculous. That's a great point. That's a great point. Great point. And it's damaging. I, th- I think, you know, do you think that it relates to the overall delegitimization of our entire kind of system of government and society when you have these conspiracy theories and this and that. Now we're undermining the Postal Service. Not that it's new but isn't it just one more nick in our armor? One more deep cut?
1: It's just, just, you know, whoever's trying to dismantle it, be it it Republicans or be it private businesses that we, from private entities, we don't even know about. Right. You know, it's just slow shipping shipping away at this just thing that's just been kind of fragile for a long time. But it's it's sturdy, it's sturdy, but fragile at the same time. You know, you can't just it's it's not just going to topple unless you really like chip at you know at certain points. Right. And for the last four years, just every 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 little bit has been chipped at.
0: That's just crazy, and it's it's interesting to reflect upon, especially all the things you told us about the history and about the. You know what's been in motion for essentially you know over a decade and and before that in the seventies and whatnot and now to see this you know narrative and rhetoric out there that's delegitimizing it I mean you guys you know you you break your ass and you do a service that we all take for granted and it's it's a needed service so we all appreciate it I mean I know I do and it's just a shame to see what's going on I'm, I'm you know I will thank you and congratulate you and your whole you know the whole. Entity that is USPS for how well the election did actually go, which is a, a huge achievement. It's a shame, Ian, that while we have this amazing achievement of high turnout, yeah, that, that we're, 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 it's getting punched, it's getting hit, it's getting criticized when it was great. We should be proud as Americans for what we did. The rest of the world is like, wow, look at this free election that was conducted during a pandemic and how they got into motion, and yet it's being undermined. It's such a shame.
1: Yeah, after, like, they're looking at, like, after, like, eight months of just doing everything, like, totally wrong, like, hey, they did this the right way. <laughs> right. And then, we're, and then just, like, <laughs> this one big section of government, like, oh, no, I think, I, I think this is the thing we messed up.
0: Right. Unbelievable, man. Two hundred
1: fifty thousand people are dead, but I think we really messed this up. Yeah,
0: and the two hundred fifty thousand people are dead and continuing to uh, to tick up, and we have small towns and, and large towns across America suffering under the weight of a global pandemic, and yet let's let's open investigations and look into and talk about the thing that went great which was the male, male election and the election in general. Let's take that apart when it was a huge success. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what we're doing. And, you
1: know, that whole thing that you posted the other day about, you know, how how Trump fired, like, his head of, like, what was it, cybersecurity?
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, well, he, the elected guy...
1: I, I'm the person you appointed with your full confidence and everything yes. to, to do this, and you didn't like what I said, so he fired me. Right. and so, it was... It, it 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 really it's just showing you know, it just shows the trend of the president is just and the people are doing what the president is doing. Yes. If you don't like the answers I'm giving me, Fox mm-hmm. News. If you if I don't like the yes. stuff that you're telling me, if you're not telling me the stuff that I the news that I want to hear, I'm just going to discard you and go to find the people who tell me. The news that I want to hear <laughs> right. myself. They build me feel better and makes and cement the idea that I'm right and I know what I'm talking. How about. crazy is that? Because so the yes. idea that I could be wrong is scarier than anything else. I can't be wrong. I have to be right.
0: Right. It's it's more fearful for for people these days to. It's worse to say. Oh wow. I. It's it's better. Like in reality, if they found out. Wow, I was wrong, but that means everything's actually better in the real world. Because I was wrong, I was mistaken. Things are a lot better than I thought. They'd rather hear things suck. The post office ripped us off. We don't live in a free country. They'd rather hear that, and they'll go anywhere they can to find their alternate universe that they can live in peacefully and not be disturbed. That is bad for a democracy. That's poison.
1: It's an ego thing, and it's and it's and it's always been. It's, yes. always been. it's always been an ego thing, and people just not wanting to admit that they're wrong or yes. or, or or anything else. Right,
0: it's it's just. It's
1: always, it's always been that way, as far as you know. As far as just you know, opinions about you know government, but also as far as you know, racial tendencies. Yes, and and, and you know. I think that, you know, people don't like Black Lives Matter because they don't want to believe that there's still systemic racism. Right. Like, and admitting, you know, Black Lives Matter is like a legitimate, you know, concern and a legitimate group and should be taken very seriously, you know, it's them saying, oh, no, racism ended when, when Lincoln. Yes. Like, signed the yes. Information. That was the end of racism. Hasn't been racism. <laughs> so
0: right. Yeah. Right. People want to be comfortable the in their end. own existence. In reality, yeah. it's sad. It's it's crazy and it's sad. So, I guess that's where we are. It's just it's just it's just an absolute nightmare. And and what he we fired was a guy who was in charge of election integrity. So he he actually did a great job because the election was secure. And despite all these audits and recounts, and it's really secure because now we're testing with lawsuits. It's very secure. He fires a guy who did his job amazingly because he didn't do it because he doesn't buy into the alternate reality narrative. It's so crazy. Ian.
1: But it's it's scary because you know what's going to happen when he finally hires the person who is going to side with him, and he just and you know he is in the position of government, he's fucking president. So if yes. he hires all the people that agree with him and are willing to enact all of these crazy like, like claims that back the crazy claims that he makes. You know what's really you know what's going to stop him from pushing this as far as it can possibly go.
0: That's the and I think that's one of the main things you see now. You know, people who, you know, I understand people voted for this reason or that reason. But the fact is there was there was tendencies within this president, and this person that were anti-democratic and, and fascist, of course. And you see now he's the first president in God knows how long or if ever, who is refusing to concede the election, you know, and have a peaceful transition of power. And it's just coming to fruition, all the things that people warned about. And the reason I say that is because what you're saying, he continues to fire and get rid of people who tell him things he doesn't want to hear and hire yes men. And imagine if he had another four years to do that. We'd be in trouble. I don't even know if he'd give up. It sounds crazy, but would he even give up another election? Would he just try to be in there again? I mean, because with another four years of this, who knows who would be in power that he would put there?
1: have been it's, what you're saying is not crazy in the slightest i i've been saying it for for years i mean you know when, when he originally won i'm like okay you know maybe you know maybe he will be you know maybe now that he's not really a partisan you know yes. he could really just run and do whatever but he's you know just as every you know he's just kind of you know he's a slave almost to, to the republican party and the super conservative ideals right if he, if he, if if that's what his intentions were or not, right? You know, those are his base now, and I've always said, that, like, after two years, I'm like, if if he goes, if he gets another four years, that's it. Right. I really think that would be it, because at the end of you know, you know, how many times do we almost go to war with like, with with North Korea and Iran right. and yes, stuff, and yes. It, at the end of four years, at the end of another four years. Who's not to say that we would be involved in some kind of crazy war? And he would try to, and he would try to, you know, repeal the the. It's, it's an amendment, right? That it is that, that they can only serve eight years. Yeah, because what? of FDR we trying to to get you know to get more people on board to try to overturn that precedent. Well, and, it's not a precedent anymore; it's an actual law.
0: Right. Well, to go back
1: like, oh yeah, in wartime. We can we can keep electing the same president, right? And who and it's it and sounds gerrymandering continuing to happen. It yes. looks like we're just going to have more and more, um, you know, minority control yes. over the entire population. Yes,
0: it's and it's look if you are more of a liberal thinker, it obviously upsets you because you're like, wow, I'm being my power is being taken away in a democratic society and being run by a minority. But even on their their side. You can only run something as a minority for so long before the swell of, you know, of erosion of popular mandate overthrows you, or or erodes the entire fabric of the society. Appointing thirty-three-year-old judges with no experience who are just conservatives, we're going to be there for fifty years and expecting people to just go along with it for fifty years is is a is a dangerous thing to try to attempt and. To those who say it would be far-fetched for Trump to pull these kinds of things, they don't understand that just because we're in 2020 America doesn't mean that we're not susceptible to everything that's happened to human history since its inception. And we are of course susceptible to a dictator. And if people don't believe us, Ian, just look at what Trump's doing now. Look at his mechanisms to try to undermine an election. He's trying to get electors in Wayne County, Michigan to not ratify free election results and just go in his favor. That's the exact roots of fascism. And just to your point about the war, there was a report that came out within the last week that Trump was asking about options to attack Iran in the last week, and he had to be talked out of it. So none of it's far-fetched. None of it. It's sad that people don't see that our country and our freedoms that we take for granted, just like they take the post office for granted, is at risk, and they're going along with it. we
1: haven't noticed, because look at, look, at, look at what's happened over the last four years. The, the president started his, his, uh, his presidency with, with like, with like Million, was it, I'm pretty sure it was millions of women marching on DC. Yes. And how many protests and, and, and you yes. know and and, and, and de- dem- peaceful demonstrations have there been since yes. he has taken control. And look how many votes he still got. Yes. So we're super we're super we're fifty we're about pretty much fifty percent susceptible to <laughs> That's crazy to a dictatorship.
0: That's so scary. That's pretty
1: decent odds.
0: Yes and it's actually now it's up to fifty one forty seven, but it's 73 million of our fellow citizens are susceptible to it now i don't know some of them to be fair voted and then I mean, look we can question that all day but they voted and now some of them i know are like look he lost get, o- get it over with but some of them are still out in the streets saying
1: i mean that's scary it's terrifying
0: so yeah i mean look Brother, I appreciate it. This was a, a great interview. Um, I learned a lot this morning. I think the listeners are going to learn a lot. Like I said, this will be aired um, on the, the Friday of Thanksgiving, and then I'll continue to promote it. Because I think it. I think it, aside from like the political stuff is interesting and enlightening, but the current events are interesting and enlightening. But even just the history you went through and the governmental structure and just the information on USPS, which is a, such a really interesting and vital issue to the country currently – it was helpful to get it out there and we'll put it out in the airwaves hopefully we get a lot of people to to hear it and then spread that information so i appreciate it i really appreciate it
1: it's super interesting stuff and and to be honest like i hardly like i hardly like graze the surface of like all the stuff that happened right at at the post service i I don't want i can't get too into weeds because then i'm like I'm probably I'd probably be like violating something by going over <laughs> right and secrets and stuff I mean, yes I, I, I don't know right but I'm trying to give you know just general stuff that's just like you know yeah this is how this, this kind of works of course this is the way that this works but why would you think that this was ever happening behind
0: the scenes right well that that's that's what's interesting so it was great to have it on I appreciate you taking the time out of the day to, to do the interview it's it's awesome uh hopefully' you'll, you'll call in or I'll have you back on the show sometime soon um and if and if I don't talk I will talk to you
1: Saturday awesome
0: yeah see that and I, I will talk to you again too before this comes out but I mean uh, have a happy Thanksgiving and, and I know we got to kind of be smart about who we're around and all that but en- enjoy that whole thing too and uh, I can't wait till this comes out and I can't wait to, till people if they have questions I'll forward them to you hopefully we can get you back on to answer some of them and I really appreciate it brother yeah good talk
1: to you man.